Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Fantasy Sports Today, the game day edition. I'm your host, Mike Blewett, joined by Jim Day and Scott Engel. So the best weekend in football got kicked off yesterday to uh, one very competitive game. One, not so much. Uh, We've been chatting a little bit early, uh, a little disappointing on the AFC side, the NFC side. Uh, what can you say? The, to the victors go the spoils. The Rams uh, beat the Cowboys 30-22 to last night. Uh, it got started off, uh, Scotty. First of all, welcome to the program. Thank you, my friend. Uh, I would say this is personally the second best weekend of football. I love the championship games, but uh, nonetheless... Uh, at, least, at least the night game was a little bit enjoyable. Yeah, it was... It, it, you know, it's interesting that it was 30 to 22, Jim, because you could say, and first of all, Scott Engel is uh, found on Twitter at Scott E. Roto X. We're going to use his, uh, he's the managing director of Roto Experts. We're going to use his articles today to break down the previews of these games. But uh, I will also welcome in Jim Day, can be found on Twitter at Fantasy Taz. And Jim, the interesting thing is that the Rams completely dominated the ground game in a way that Dallas uh, did not give up rushing yards all year but it was still sort of a game all the way throughout they hit a couple of big plays to keep it close yeah no they kept themselves in it just outside the reach of uh anybody who took them with the points of course which you know really uh frustrated a lot of people out there uh the spread was either seven or seven and a half depending on when you got it and of course they lost by eight but they kept themselves in the game and you know the the crazy thing is all season they gave up only three rushers uh for 100 yards and in this game they gave up two yeah um and the bigger thing to me is how 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 did the Oakland Raiders let CJ Anderson go? Yeah. It is How could they not use this guy? Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty interesting. We'll we'll dive into that really deep uh here in a second. I think it's a good question uh to start with uh on the AFC side, Scott. Look, the Chiefs the game was over so early that there's almost very little commentary. I mean, trust me, we're going to do 20 minutes on it, but there's very little to dissect. The Chiefs just punched them in the mouth, and 18 minutes into the game, it's 17 nothing, and, and the Colts were basically dead in the water. One thing I think you do take from the game, though, and you learn about, especially as a fantasy player going forward, is overreactions to weather. You know, everybody mm. was, you know, watching the pregame and saw how much it was snowing, et cetera. But by the time the kickoff actually started, uh, you know, a lot of the snow had dissipated uh, and it really didn't affect the Chiefs offense at all. True. Uh, all right. So let's dive. Let's start with Jim's uh, comment on the Rams Cowboys. They did not allow a 100 yard rusher. They allowed two yesterday. 178 rushing yards was the most yards they allowed in a game all year. And, Jim, they let up 170 rushing in the first half alone. It was 20 minutes time of possession in the first half for the Rams. Uh, Yeah, they they just came out and and just, you know, right away dictated what they wanted to do. And what that was was run right into the teeth of the Dallas defense. You know, Dallas's rush defense has been stellar all year long. And, you know, Rams said, we don't care. We're going to run it right at you. And, you know, Crazily enough, it wasn't Todd Gurley that really got it started. It was C.J. Anderson. Um, he had four 10-yard-plus rushes before Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott had one. Um, he just came right out. And, you know, look, he was running well. But, man, the 
the offensive line was opening opening up huge holes for him. That you know, I mean, he wasn't getting touched until he was on the second level, and you know that that Rams offensive line just controlled that line of scrimmage pretty much all day. Yeah, Scott, those guys haven't missed a start all year. All five offensive linemen uh, played all sixteen games, so I think it speaks to what a cohesive unit they are. Um, even if they're not at the top level, the most talented they are. And I've said this in the past about offensive lines. I always think back to the Giants lines of 10 years ago when they were, uh, when they won those Super Bowls. They had one guy on there, Chris Snee, who was a standout. But what was unique about them is that they spent a lot of time together. Kareem McKenzie, Dave Deal, Rich Soybert, uh, Sean O'Hara. I mean, I can rattle those names off. And those are just five offensive linemen because they were together for so long. Same thing here. Havenstein, Saffold, Whitworth, uh, the list goes on. So I think it is, to Jim's point, that offensive line is rolling along right now. And if there's anybody you're going to point fingers at from last night, it's that Dallas D-line. They just didn't hold up. Yeah, it's uh, and you think back to the Cowboys of the '90s too, with their great offensive line, and you know that's the difference between Seattle this week and the Rams this week. Seattle's offensive line has improved, but it's still a work in progress. And Dallas was able to dominate up front, whereas they 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 just got pushed around everywhere uh, yesterday. You know, at the first level, at the second level. The, the defensive line, the linebackers, et cetera. And when you look at what this Dallas defensive front has done, it was very impressive. And it gets me to thinking about fantasy football, too. It's, you know, people don't want certain, certain uh, I should say, players represented in the game. You know, I'd love to, like, find a way to get offensive lines involved like we do with defenses, like for every sack that – um, you know, a line allows you lo- you lose half a point, and you get bonus points if running backs gain a hundred yards. Yeah, or big plays or big big runs, like yeah. Jim was talking about last night. C.J. Anderson with the explosive runs. Look, Jim, he's reminding me a little bit now. He's like the new Mike Tolbert. He's not in the best shape. He's a little short. He's a little stocky. He's got a little gut going, but he was awesome last night. Twenty three carries, one twenty three. Two touchdowns. They dominate. We've said it a couple of times already, but when you talk about the Cowboys losing the rushing advantage, 273 to 50, and the time of possession, 36 to 23, it's miraculous that they only lost by eight. I totally agree. Um, didn't see them shutting down Elliott as easily as they did. And, you know, even when they shut him down in the running game. You know, Dallas never got him going in the passing game either. So, you know, it just nothing coming from that side of the ball until late in the game when they finally started to try and make some kind of push here. And it was weird because, I mean, that first drive, they looked incredible. Right down the field, did a good job, you know, get right in the end zone, made it look easy, and then it just all came apart after that. Yeah, Scott, 22 touches for Zeke, 66 yards. He does get a score, so from a fantasy standpoint, not a disaster, you know, six points, a couple PPR points, uh, touchdown. He's up in the 13, 14-point range, so not a disaster, but at 22 touches, you expect a lot more yardage out of Zeke. Yeah, you certainly do, but, uh, you know, they really you know, said, I think they expected him to run on the edge, and they were able to stuff him out, uh, you know, that fourth and one, and turned out to be huge. You know, not every superstar is going to have a great game every week, but you know, everybody talks about the Rams' uh, offensive line. You know, the defensive pro- front played terrific as well. You know, they dominated uh, the Dallas offensive line as well, and uh, the the Cowboys were both in adverse running and passing situations yesterday. Did Jim? Did you see any of the C.J. Anderson thing coming at all? I faded Gurley on DFS. Just because he's coming off an injury. He looks healthy to me, but did you see the C.J. Anderson? I mean, he actually, he carried the ball seven more times than Todd Gurley did. Uh, Todd Gurley caught two passes, so the the advantage in touches was 23 to 18. I mean, I, I didn't expect that at all. 
No, and and Gurley even you know out snapped him. He had more snaps than yeah. than Anderson did. But they you know, Anderson. Look, once Anderson got going early, at that point, why not keep giving him the ball, especially yeah, yeah. when you know Gurley has, you know, coming off the injury. But then late in the game, you know, all of a sudden it was back to Gurley being you know the main ball carrier at the end of the game because mainly because I guess they trusted him more and I guess he felt fine health wise and they didn't really have any issues with that. But you know, CJ Anderson is. I've been saying it all year. I couldn't understand why he couldn't get a job running for somebody. This yeah. is a guy coming off a thousand yard season last year. Now I get it in Carolina. You're not taking the ball out of McCaffrey's hands. I get that. Uh, but the fact that he went to Oakland and Oakland couldn't use him over Doug Martin. Uh, pretty sure they're sitting there feeling pretty stupid this morning. Yeah, but he's, he isn't in. Just, sometimes, sometimes it's about stuff that we don't, yeah, we don't see too. that it's behind the scenes, you know, things like that. You know, we, we don't know what's going on in his personal life, et cetera. And, you know, I can only guess it's to something like that, or maybe it was the weight. It's probably something we don't see on the surface. Yeah. And I'm not picking on him. I'm not fat shaming the guy. I mean, he's got a little bit of a gut going, you know, it's not normally something you see out of an NFL running back. Mike Tolbert was always the kind of the exception to the rule. So maybe the maybe Gruden didn't think he Tolbert was in shape. never rushed for 100 yards That's though. That's for true. <laughs> yeah, really. That's true. Certainly <laughs> not in a playoff game. Um but I you know I, there was a moment and I'm going on Twitter during the game just to see if I could catch a piece of news from, from somebody and I'm just wondering like well what's up with Gurley? Like is he coming back? But at the same time it doesn't really matter cuz Anderson's running all over them. And then it was telling, to your point, Jim, about the snaps, there was a moment where they got down into the red zone and Gurley came back in and ran a pass route. And it sucked in the defense because they thought Gurley was going to be running it. And I was like, all right, he's fine. McVay's just working all the options right now. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that was the story of the game. Kudos to Dallas for keeping it close. They hit the big play with Amari. Early, kind of a blown coverage there. There was another blown coverage late on a great catch by Michael Gallup. Um, so the Rams still have to clean some things up. Look, if if the Saints are playing their best game and the Rams play like they did last night and, and don't punch in a couple of opportunities and uh, are blow coverages like that, they'll lose to the team playing their best game, Scott, because the Rams were good last night, but there was a little bit of sloppy play too. There was, you know, but they did they did what they had to do to win. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to have to be more on point uh, to go to probably to go to New Orleans next week. Uh, you know, but, but if the Eagles pull it up, said you know they're at home. Uh, you know, maybe they have a they have a better shot. Uh, you know, Jared Goff, Jared Goff didn't make any mistakes. Uh, the passing game wasn't wasn't explosive. They did make some mistakes in the secondary, which they'll they'll have to watch. But ultimately, they did whatever they had to do to win. Yeah. Uh, big penalty, obviously, on Tlaib. It really helped to keep that game close. Um, I don't love the call, Jim, but Tlaib's got to be more careful than that. Uh, especially a, a vet like him who's had so many years in this league and knows how the game goes. Yeah, you can't you can't give that up. That that was ridiculous. Back to the line of scrimmage. Uh, He's messing with the play. guy at the end line. Like guys are going to get calls like that. So I, I, I you know, I, I hate the. The frequency with which pass interference is called, but it is called with that frequency. So uh, you have to be more careful. Uh, and Amari shoved him just as much as he shoved Amari. So uh, so I, I like the transition that you made, Scott, to the quarterback play. So Goff's big, biggest play of the night, Jim, was a rushing play for the first down to ice the game. He goes 15 of 28, 186. Um, you know, you're not writing home about that kind of performance. But when you're running the ball like that, you're not going to be asked to do a lot. 6 of 69, Robert Woods. 4 of 65, Brandon Cooks. They used Higby a few times. Um, They tried to get Josh Reynolds in the action, and Josh Reynolds will officially uh, slaughter all my DFS lineups along with Naeem Hines. But (laughs) Goff played the game he needed to play. Yeah, really. There's not much you can say about it. We and we've seen that before. You know, when they get in into this running groove and the running game is dominating the game, Goff doesn't have to do much. And you know, it's not like it's only him. We've seen that with plenty of good quarterbacks. You know, if one aspect of the game is controlling the game, there's really no need for the other one to really come into play in a huge way. And that's what we saw here. Uh, Goff did exactly what he needed to do to win this game, and that was handed it off, handing it off to two good running backs that were playing excellent 
game at the time. Yeah. So on the flip side, Dak goes 20 of 32 for 266 and a score. 99 uh, quarterback rating. Michael Gallup, uh, 6 for 119. Uh, Amari Cooper, 6 for 65. Um, and really, that's about it. Nobody else uh, of note um, caught any uh, caught any uh, passes. I mean, a couple of passes to Blake Jarwin, a couple of passes to Zeke Elliott, but that's really it. I, I said, I think earlier that Gallup scored a touchdown, but it was a, he was down to the one, a great catch, six for one nineteen for Gallup. So Dak played fine, catch. Scott. But uh, again, when when the when Dallas is rushing for fifty yards and has twenty three minutes time of possession. They're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, Dak was erratic. He scatter shot. You know, one, like Mark Slayer said, said on Twitter, one minute he's making that great pass to uh, to Gallup, and then the next he's he's missing a four yard slant. So he's capable of coming up with the big plays, but consistency is a real issue for him. Yeah, I think that's the story on Dak, Jim. That's what we've seen so far in his career, right? Yeah, I, I mean, look, he's. He, he's not as bad as a lot of people make him out to be, but he's con- inconsistent. Totally agree. Um, you know, but uh, – and and that's something that, you know, a lot of quarterbacks suffer from. It's not only him. Uh, but, you know, at some point, uh, you know, you got to put some of this back on Jason Garrett as well and just play calling and things like that. It just doesn't seem like he ever seems to really get into any kind of rhythm. I was about to say, if only there was a resource somewhere on the team – that had maybe played quarterback in the NFL that could give, lend some insight to Dak. Perhaps be, perhaps put him in the best position to succeed. I, I think that's what people get frustrated about. That Garrett and Linehan do not put him in the best position to succeed. Uh, but last night, the story was that the defensive line got dominated. So we're going to come back, talk Chiefs-Colts after this. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. This Sunday morning fantasy sports today. It's the game day edition, doing some recaps of yesterday's games. Getting you started for the Sunday games. Big day in New England. Big day in the Big Easy. Uh, and if you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to Bet DSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your DFS skills without salary cap, cap constraints. Give me a wager on esports, politics, and reality TV. So get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There's just a ton of ways that you can make money. So use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. Again, hit us up today on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. I'm at Mike Blewett. Scott is at Scott E. Roto X. And Jim Day is at Fantasy Taz. Thanks for listening on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app on TuneIn, on iHeart, and anywhere else that we can be found. So um, turning the page over to Chiefs-Colts. Uh, I was just re-watching it this morning. It's kind of a bummer because... That game is 17 nothing. It first of all, the Colts get the ball, don't do anything with it. Chiefs again, punt, uh, an analogy being used too often today. Chiefs punched them in the mouth, score right away. Chiefs come down, score again. Uh it is 14 nothing 
eight and a half minutes in. It is 17 nothing after 18 minutes. I mean, they were dead in the water, Scott. Yeah, pre- pretty much, pretty much uh, right from the get-go there. Uh, the defense, the defense really couldn't handle Kansas City's big plays at all. And offensively, uh, you got to give the Chiefs a lot of credit for for playing really good defense. They dominated up front, probably the best defensive game they played all year. If uh, if Lux receivers weren't dropping passes, uh, he was getting hit, he was getting hurried, etc. The uh, the Colts, the Colts had an NFL low uh, 18 sacks allowed this right. this uh, this year, but the Chiefs did lead the NFL with uh, tied with the Steelers for 55 sacks. But it seemed like with Luck's quick release, etc., that he was going to have the time to throw. But the secondary did a really good job on their receivers. I think the Colts in the offseason have to look for another significant wide receiver to pair with T.Y. Hilton. There's maybe one a huge one available, and they have salary cap room. Uh, three sacks allowed yesterday, Jim. <laughs> three sacks allowed yesterday by the Colts. To Scott's point, uh, it was you know the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. The team with the least allowed sacks versus the team with the most sacks, and the Chiefs did get to him three times uh, and a few more hurrying him. Yeah, but it wasn't even any of that to me. It, it seemed like right off the bat, first first series, I mean, they, they tipped two passes right off the bat. Yeah. And it seemed like there it put put uh, Luck in a cocoon because from there on out, it, it didn't look like he was actually throwing the ball to me. From there on out, it, every pass seemed like he was just trying to push the ball towards a receiver, and they were all coming in low or short or behind the receiver. It, it, he didn't look like he felt comfortable at all in that pocket trying to throw the ball. I, I just don't see it. To me, the, this whole game did, came down to Luck and him just looking totally lost. So I talked the other day on FST with Dane Martinez. We talked to Davis Maddock, who lives literally a couple of miles from Arrowhead Stadium. And we were talking how the Chiefs are unique in that some people were creating the narrative that, well, Marlon Mack was really good last week and the Colts will try to get that going again and keep Pat Mahomes off the field. The reality is that the Chiefs don't care. They can score so quickly, they don't really need to win the time of possession. However, they did an unbelievable job running the ball yesterday and keeping Andrew Luck off the field. 180 yards rushing. Time of possession yesterday, 39 minutes and 49 seconds for the Chiefs and 20 minutes and 11 seconds for the Colts. So to all our points about Luck. And that, that, was the, that was the story in the other game, too, about how how the Rams dominated time of possession when the Cowboys usually yeah. do. Yes. And to Davis's point, it's very, it's very hard to predict game flow because you could look at it like, okay, uh, they this team should do this. And that the, uh, the coaches don't necessarily have the same game plan that you do. So it's very hard to predict game flow. Yeah, but uh, I, I think what was what's telling about yesterday, well, first of all, Luck couldn't get into a rhythm. We're talking about that. He only had 20 minutes to do it. Um, so that's part of it. But another part of it is that the Chiefs have so many damn weapons that they can they can uh, th- pick your you know pick your poison. I guess is the, is the phrase I'm looking for because 180 yards rush- rushing. Damian Williams, you better have had in your DFS lineups at 5100 on DraftKings. Uh, 30 touches, 154 yards, and a touchdown. Pat Mahomes gets a rushing touchdown. He throws for 278 yards. Jim, he didn't even need to be great. He just needed to be out there, handing the ball off. Yeah, he, he did what he had to do. And, you know, the one thing I love about this kid is, is nothing seems to bother him. I agree. He doesn't care if you rush him. You, I don't care how many people you throw at him. He's going to throw the ball either over the top. He's going to throw it underhand. Whatever he has to do to get the ball to his receivers. And he does it so well. Um, you know, half the time he's not even looking where he's throwing. I love when quarterbacks do that because defenses, if you can't read a quarterback's eyes, you're, you're playing from behind right to, right off the bat. And that, that's one of the things he does so well uh, is he definitely does not stare off his receivers. He, he plays his eyes very well, keeps the defense looking where he wants them to look, and then he goes the other way. Uh, th- this kid is a special talent, and he's playing a very good you know, strength of football right now. He's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, Scott, I think Jim makes a, a really good point is that 
He seems completely comfortable in his own skin. He threw 50 touchdowns this year to 12 picks. And yesterday, he did throw the ball 41 times, but they played a little bit more ball control passing. And he's not forcing the issue into the end zone. He's not making... There are times where he makes dumb throws. Uh, and I put that in air quotes. It's interesting because he can actually make some of those dumb throws because his arm is so strong. Uh, but yesterday... Look, they managed the Colts right off the field. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 7 for 108. Tyreek Hill, 8 for 72. But don't forget the 39-yard, 36-yard, excuse me, rushing touchdown. Sammy Watkins, where's he been? 6 for 62. And Damian Williams catches the five passes for 25 yards. You know, there's some people that were saying they're really going to miss Kareem Hunt this time of year. Didn't look like it yesterday, Scott. Yeah, uh, the offense was... It's interesting how explosive they are because the offense was more efficient than anything. And just Damian Williams is so impressive. You know the way he he can be an he can uh, he's not afraid of contact, but he can also be explosive. Uh, having Sammy Watkins back was a plus. Uh, you know Mahomes tried to make some downfield throws, but you know that seemed to be if if he hit them, it was going to be the cherry on top because. He just had to be efficient yesterday. It's, uh, you know, defense played so well that the offense didn't have to overexert themselves. The Dolphins released Damian Wood. They replaced him with Frank Gore, who was good this year, but it's it's odd to me that a younger running back with this kind of ability, and you know, we see two guys yesterday, actually, Jim. You brought the point we about saw that, C.J. We Anderson saw that and Damian Williams. too when he, when he got to play, too. Yeah, I agree. Like, last year, I remember... There was debate as to who would be behind a Jai if a Jai goes down. And then a Jai got traded, and it ended up being Kenyon Drake. But I, I always was wondering, like, why Damian Williams didn't get more burn. But he's, it's probably all good for him. It's just interesting, Jim, that two guys yesterday are guys that were cast off by other teams and completely dominant rushing performances in critical playoff games. Yes, I absolutely agree. It, you know, it, it always makes me wonder how some of these guys are in front office uh, jobs when they can't evaluate talent. And, you know, guys in Oakland, at least he's, you know, McKenzie is no longer in that job. Um, so, you know, he can't really feel bad about it now, but it, I'm sure the team is. Look, it, it is what it is. Some, some guys have other reasons why they don't want players on the team. That, that, like Scott says, there's always stuff behind, going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But, you know, I couldn't personally, I couldn't see why this kid wasn't getting a shot somewhere. Again, coming off a thousand yard season last year, it's not like this is a guy who's never done it before in C.J. Anderson. Uh, he's done it before. So it was surprising to me that nobody really wanted to take a shot on it. And then, look, it works out the best for him. He's got a, a very good chance now to go to the Super Bowl uh, with a team where a couple of weeks ago he was sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, if, you're, if you're a Jets fan, too, you look at this and then as another mistake by by Adam Yase, uh making a mistake, you know, not getting along with Jay and Jai, running him and Jarvis Landry out of town, uh, you know, clashing with Devontae Parker, uh, never realizing what Damian Williams was, not giving Kenyon Drake more touches. Uh, so I think you know these are Adam Gase came into Miami with the same goals that they have for the Jets, was to improve the quarterback position and the offense, and he didn't do it. Um. We that's a can of worms, which, which I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, I would disagree on only one thing. Ajay, I, I think Ajay's got chronic injury issues and I, I can't criticize a team for for moving on from him if they felt like who they had was talented. And for some reason, they stopped using Kenyon Drake at points during this year, but they at least had an adequate, if not good backup. Um, as far as improving the quarterback position, you know, he's got his work cut out for him now, but I think he had his work more cut out for him down in Miami because he was dealing with an oft-injured guy who probably doesn't have the top-level talent that Sam Darnold might, Scott. He's, he's had one impressive year, Adam Gase, yeah. and that that was because of Peyton Manning. You know, he didn't, he didn't do much with Jay Cutler either. Yeah, yeah true. true. Um, so back to the Chiefs-Colts, uh, Jim. Uh, as far as fantasy hopes and prayers, you didn't get much out of Locke. 203 
and a touchdown. Marlon Mack, nine carries for 46 yards. Again, they only had the ball for 20 minutes. Uh, in, in speaking to how they were off, you know, luck getting pressured, the tip balls, they had 10 penalties yesterday, too. Uh, they're typically a pretty disciplined team, but the 10 penalties uh, goes a long way to putting them in that spot, too. Naeem Hines, three carries for 24 yards. They didn't throw him the ball, which I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> how do they not throw him the ball? It's 3300 bucks on DraftKings. I just needed, like, seven points. Just seven points, and I, I, I could be fine with it. Instead, he didn't even get that many. Uh so T- yeah, but see, even if they threw yeah. him the ball, it wasn't like Luck was going to get it to him the way Luck was thrown. True. I, I'm telling you, it really, it really comes down to that for me. It's just Luck just looked like he was totally in a shell trying to throw the ball. Uh, again, I, I keep envisioning it basically like he was trying to shot put it to his receivers instead of rearing back and throwing the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and then when you at the fact that you know it, this was just a game where nothing went right for them. When you when you got a guy like Adam Vinatieri missing a field goal and an extra point yeah. uh hitting it off the upright you know the game is just not going in your favor yeah. <laughs> it's just not going in your favor i agree i agree <laughs> pack it up and go home yeah ty hilton at- yeah he, he was he was guiding the ball more, more than he was he was throwing it it's almost oh yeah it's almost it's like a, when, a, when a base when a baseball pitcher tries to place the ball rather than throw it and i'm wondering why he why luck looked like that is that there's nothing I can point to. I don't, I don't know if the weather was in his head or not. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton. No, I think it was those early tip I, passes that threw him off. Sorry, Mike. That's all right. T.Y. Hilton, I just wanted to throw a stat line out. He does save your bacon if you used point. him four for 60 for the touchdown. That was actually a pretty good throw by luck uh, on that touchdown pass. So uh, at, at least he didn't bottom out with luck and Hilton uh, if you stack them up. But you're behind the eight ball a little bit. Uh, Dontrell Inman, four catches for 55. Eric Ebron, you can't really complain about a stat line like that. He got the nine targets, five for 51. You've been relying on touchdowns from him all year. But if you're in a PPR league and he got you 10 points, you take that and and run with it. Um, You know, the only touchdown they had scored in the first half was on the block punt. So so there you go. Uh, the, The one interesting thing, you know, Clark Hunt is talking after the game. He's really thrilled to have the AFC championship game at home. It seems weird that a team with this kind of history uh, is never hosted the AFC championship game before. But you think back and it, it kind of makes sense. They were dominant when it was the AFL, not the AFC. So uh, good for them, Scott. Yeah, uh, yeah cert- certainly good for them. Uh, you know, now Kansas City moves on and, uh, you know, for the winner of the Chargers and, and the Patriots and. I really feel like they could beat New England, but the Chargers have seen them twice already, so that'll be even a better game. Yeah, uh, I'm. I was. I here's. I'll say this. I hedged this game all week, and by yesterday morning, when I woke up, I was like, "Man, the Colts are." I don't think the Colts are going to come close here. I thought the Chiefs were going to be a little bit too much coming off the bye, uh, so I'm on record as saying I thought the Colts would cover and lose. I think I picked twenty eight twenty four. So my bad, but I um, if I you know if I'm being honest, uh, money would have been down on the Chiefs to cover that weird spread at five. So Jim, I, I had the Colts win it outright. So uh. oh, there you go, uh, Jim. <laughs> yeah. la- last thing on this one, I've also been on record as saying I don't think the Chiefs are going to get to the Super Bowl. I've been worried about them, their inability to stop the run, and I thought the Pats, who I think are going to win today are built to try to attack that. But if they play like they did yesterday, uh, I take back what I just said. The, the one thing, you know, and, and I agree with you at, at that. I, I mean, they played a great game. The defense played an outrageous game. Like Scott said, best game of the year defense played. And this is the time of year to do it, so kudos to them. But one, one of the things from this game, two of the things from this game, are really fantasy points for next year. Um, again, Ebron dropped a couple of balls he shouldn't have dropped. Um, could have been a couple of more big plays there for him. But, you know, the fact of the matter is because of what he's done this year, he's going to be so overdrafted next year in fantasy oh, yeah. drafts with Jack Doyle coming back. Um, you know, you could say what you want. Jack Doyle didn't have the year because of the injuries, all that stuff. But they still trust him a ton 
to catch the ball. And Ebron, you know, has been so up and down in his focus all year long. He's had a great season, of course, with all the touchdowns, all of that. But in the most all of that, he still had plenty of games where he just didn't contribute the way they expected him to, uh, drop too many passes, things like that. So he's going to be overdrafted next year because of that. Um, so people, you know, just beware of that. And then the other side of the coin is Kansas City. Everybody's saying, oh, yeah, no way Damian Williams can be their starter next year. And I- I'm saying, why the hell not? How-, how do you not let this guy be a starter? You just wrapped yeah. him up for two years with a nice contract that's right. cap-friendly. you know, it- And he's doing everything you want him to do. Like Scott said earlier, he runs inside with no problem. He runs outside with no problem. Catches everything you throw to him. He's down the field blocking. You could put him out in the slot. Heck, they, they put him out wide a couple times. It- this kid does everything. And for the people out there that say he can't be their starter next year, I say you're dead freaking wrong. Yeah, sometimes when a guy opens the season as a starter, it's uh, it's more challenging, and we've never seen that from Damian Williams. But from what I saw in, in you know, it snipped with him, him with the Dolphins, I felt he could be this kind of player, so I agree. Some, a few defensive standouts yesterday, too. Darius Leonard, 14 tackles. Kenny Moore, 12 tackles and two sacks. Justin Houston with two more sacks. And D. Ford was all over the place. He had a sack and a tackle for loss. Couple of QB hits. Good stuff. Uh, we're going to start. We're going to turn the page over to today's games after this. It's Chargers Pats preview next on FST, the game day edition. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on FST, game day edition. And if you're at the game, you just got a gut feeling, no problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. So try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to MyBookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY, and MyBookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yeah, that's right, 1000 bucks. MyBookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So um, just a shout-out to my compadres here. Uh, Jim Day uh, was nominated. Both of them were nominated for Best Fantasy Radio Show. Jim Day in connection with the Fantasy Football Frenzy, which you can hear here on weekdays uh, here at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but downloaded to listen uh, they're here every day. It's Corey Parson and very often Chris Ventura is with them as well. And conversely, Scott Engel nominated for Roto Experts in the Morning, which has shifted time slots throughout this year. But currently and for a long time now, it has been on Mondays through Fridays from 7 to 8 a.m. in advance of FST. Uh, so that's Scott Engel and Dane Martinez. So good luck to both of them. Uh, as they, as we find out, I guess we find out uh, in about a week and a half. January twenty second and twenty fifth uh, is the Fantasy Sports Trade Association Conference in Tampa, Florida. I do believe it'll probably be on the second day, but don't quote me on that. These are the Fantasy Sports Trade Association awards. Yeah. Uh, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association awards are. Uh, are, they haven't nominated the finalists yet, but, uh, you know, this is the first time the Roto Experts in the Morning have been nominated for an FSTA award, so I'm very proud of it. Which one did we win in the past? FSWA? FSWA. Got it. We were nominated twice. Got it. Uh, good stuff. So, congrats to you, Scott. And, Jim, congrats to you, man. That's nice. Yeah, thanks, man. Definitely cool to be in, in that solid group of people. Yeah, a bunch of other shows nominated there. Uh, uh, Brad Evans from Yahoo. I know his show has been nominated. Uh, our buddy Adam Ronis is nominated for one of his shows. Uh, so a few others out there. You can get out there on Twitter and go to FS 
uh, at FSTA, and you'll, you'll see uh, some of the other nominations out there. So good stuff uh, for those guys, and I wish them luck. I hope they tie. I hope they. I hope it's a double victory for you guys, and uh, you tie for the win. So we'll see what happens there. So, uh, all right, on to today's games: Chargers, Pats. Bringing up the game. I'm bringing up the odds right now to make sure I have the latest. So it's uh, it's now it's at four right now. Pats. Laying for Chargers 170 on the money line. The over is 47. So uh, let me get, since Scott, since you wrote it up on rotoexperts.com, and please go to rotoexperts.com if you want to read an a, a interesting preview, divisional rate breakdown on, on this one. Just give me your initial thoughts on this, and we'll, and we'll dive deep into it between me, you, and Jim. Well, obviously, when you look at postseason success, uh, the Patriots and Brady and Belichick have the uh, the large advantage uh, together. The twenty seven and ten in the postseason, they haven't lost a playoff home game since two thousand twelve, and haven't lost a divisional ground game for two thousand ten. Now, the popular narrative over uh, uh, across the country, because everybody hates the Patriots and wants to see them fail, is that they're not the team that they were, but. Of course, they're not the team that they were. We can see that, but yet they were still the number two seed. You know, that's, that shows how still good they are, that they were able to fall off and still be the, be the number one seed. Phillip Rivers is 0-7 against Brady and Belichick, but uh, you know, to, their, to, the, to the advantage of, of the Chargers, they haven't lost away from Los Angeles this year. You know, home field advantage uh, for the other team really doesn't scare them at all. Philip Rivers is coming off maybe what what is his best season whatsoever. So maybe it's it's uh, he's 500 all time in the playoffs, and he the, the Chargers have never won a divisional game with uh, with it, with him divisional round game with him. They lost once in 2007, but if any season where it seems like they may be able to get over the hump, this this could be it. You know, he was uh, the same splits at home on the road, uh, 16 touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, but defensively, Stefan Gilmore is going to be on Keenan Allen, so I think Mike Williams could have a big day. Uh you could point to a lot of reasons why the Chargers are going to win, but their their ground game has not been good. Melvin Gordon is rushed for 123 yards in the last three games, so I think there's going to be a lower-scoring game. Uh, I'm predicting Patriots 23, Chargers 17. I know everybody talks about the Chargers' momentum, but they're banged up in a lot of spots as well. Uh, defensive. This could be a more of a defensive game, but I, I just... I, I, I like Brady and Belichick still at home, even though I feel like they're going to lose the AFC title game. I, I'm going to take them this week. They're on, they were undefeated at home this year. Yeah, Jim, uh, Tom Brady leads the NFL. He's the all-time postseason leader in these categories. Games played with 37, wins with 27, completions with 920, passing yards with 10,226, and touchdown passes with 71. Um, Rob Gronkowski has 12 career playoff catches he's tied with hall of famer john stallworth for the second most in postseason history so this game matches up as the the highest combined age in a postseason game in nfl history tom brady and phil rivers a combined twenty eight thousand six hundred and eighty eight days old surpassing the peyton manning tom brady came from a couple of years ago by just uh, 85 days so um, so there you go, Brady. All kinds of records. I, I, I'm, you know, before we'll get into the scores and everything else later. Uh, and you can do it now if you like, but we'll get into it later. So people, we put it on record. But I'm leaning Scott's way. I think for the Chargers to come in here for a second to go into the East Coast a second week in a row, playing a 10 a.m. time slot on the road against a tough opponent. They played well last week. Even if they play well today, I think it's a lot to ask. It is a lot to ask, and it really, you know, they have to play that perfect kind of game. And, you know, unfortunately, I was on both of the underdogs yesterday, um, and we saw how that worked out, although Dallas at least tried to make it a game. Colts were out of it too early, like you said, and just never rebounded. Um, I'm on the underdog again today. 
I, I like the Chargers. I think this is a different Charger team than we've seen in the past. Uh, and, yeah, they do have some injuries. Allen's not 100%. Gordon's not 100%. And that could very well factor into it. Look, if, if they want to beat the Patriots, they're going to have to play a great game. They're going to have to get in Tom Brady's face. They're going to have to put pressure on him right from the get-go. You know, follow the same script that, you know, the teams that have beaten Brady have followed, namely the Giants. Get in Brady's face. Get him uncomfortable in that pocket. And you can beat him. You can force him to make errors. And that's exactly what they're going to have to do. Now, you know, we saw this defense really step up last week against Baltimore. And, you know, Melvin Ingram was just all over the field making play after play. And, of course, Joey Bosa's there. It's really going to come down to, uh, you know, whether these two can get in Tom Brady's face and get him uncomfortable. Uh, I, I think they have a very good shot at it. I, I understand all the historical numbers go against the Chargers in this one. But I can't help it. I just think overall they are a better team. I mean, I, key, I have the said key that for, the key Go for ahead, the, the the key the key for the Chargers if they can run the ball, they're going to be able to stay in this game. If if not, it's going to be tough for them. I think. Yeah, I, but I'm worried about that because Gordon isn't a hundred percent. Can I trust Eckler to pick up the slack or Justin Jackson? He hasn't played well recently either. Yeah, or Justin Jackson or anybody. Like I, I just don't trust it. I, I think that's why you're you're leaning the Patriots as well. Uh, I don't think the Patriots run them off the field in any way. I just think that there's a lot of experience. People talk about, I think Scott framed it perfectly. People are talking about, oh, this isn't the same team. They only won 11 games. They didn't get home field advantage. Well, yeah, but they won the NFC, the AFC East for the 10th time in a row, shattering the uh, previous oh, record. Come on, of that's nine. against the Dolphins, the Bills, I get and that the their Jets. division stinks, but they're still doing this. <laughs> they're still this two seed. And people are comparing this Patriots team to other tremendous Patriots teams. And I think sometimes that's where it gets uh, conflated into this not being a good team. Uh, what What is unique about this is I have also said I think the Chargers are probably the most complete team in the AFC, A, and B. The Patriots have looked downright bad at times during the year. The Titans game, the Jags game, the Lions game. You don't normally see the Patriots put up huge duds like that, Jim. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of that was on Tom Brady in those games. I, I mean, missing, you know, throws he normally makes, you know, under-throwing deep passes that he always makes. Uh, so he's had some games this year where he looked human, no doubt, especially he looked all of his age human uh, in doing so. But he, he is still Tom Brady, and, you know, this is a big game. Put all that stuff aside, this is the playoffs, you know, win this game. They're one, one game away from once again going to the Super Bowl. So I, I get all of it, and, and I totally understand it. And again, you know, I, like I say, for the Chargers to win this game, they almost have to play a perfect game. No stupid mistakes, no turnovers, Reed. and no dumb penalties. I mean, definitely don't, don't, don't go make a great defensive you know, play and then go up and grind against the, the referee like we saw yesterday. Yeah. Hey, that's a smart move. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like a don't have a Tlaib kind of penalty late in the game to, to keep it close the pats will take advantage of that so scott we also there's a narrative every week when the patriots are playing a team that they're going to try to eliminate the top weapon uh that is available to phil rivers so who is that today is it keenan allen is it melvin gordon who is it i think mike williams is the x factor for them uh you know because you're gonna have Gil gilmore and keenan allen so i think mike williams could actually step up and if uh you know if he plays well in a playoff-type atmosphere, people are going to mark this as, as his breakthrough game. Jim? Well, he, he already had a breakthrough game. You know, the, the game Keenan Allen was out, and they didn't, couldn't use him. All of a sudden, Mike steps up, two touchdowns all over the field making plays. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, from a national perspective, this will be the game that a lot of people will point to, I think. Yeah, I, think I mean, you and, and I, I, you and I and Mike know about this. Yeah, I, and I get that. I do. It, on a national stage, could be a huge step for him. Uh, and I would love to see it personally because I, I love this guy. I think he's going to be a great receiver in this league when and if, you know, they actually start trying to throw him the ball enough to make it, you know, a pertinent guy every week. I, I think he definitely takes that role. Um, you know, I, I just wonder, you know, I know Gilmore is going to be on Allen, but I'm pretty sure Anthony Lynn is going to move Allen around so it's not always Gilmore right there in front of him. And they're going to find ways to make create mismatches with Allen to get him involved because they will need him. 
in, in this game. And, you know, I do like Mike Williams. Even Tyrell Williams could be, a, you know, a, a, a dart throw if you're playing on a Sunday slate and you want a cheap player. You know, he could make a, one or two big plays, as we saw him do earlier in the season. They're going to need all hands on deck because, like you said, Gordon's not 100%. Eckler's not 100%. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this game pans out. I, and I I don't know. I took the charges in the preseason. I'm sticking to my guns and saying yeah. they, they go in and beat New England. You should do that. My co-host uh, during the week, Dane Martinez, he just chickened out on Friday. He's picked the Chargers Rams from Jump Street, and I think you did as well, right? That's your Super Bowl pick? I did, yeah. yes. Yeah. So you yeah. guys have the same Super Bowl pick, and Dane on Friday is like, I'm not going to select this game because I don't want to bet against the Chargers. I'm like, well, you just got to pick somebody. He's like, I refuse to make a pick in this game. So I think he thinks the Chargers are going to lose, but he doesn't want to pick against them. Uh, I've been hedging in the way that I normally hedge. I'll take the points here. Uh, Pats to win a close one. Uh, I think Goskowski maybe plays a role here. To, To Badgley's credit... The Chargers kicking game has been brutal, but he stepped up last week. He outkicked Justin Tucker, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, so uh, we're talking special teams, by the way, a little added note. The Chargers signed Nick Rose this week in order to handle kickoffs. Badgley was only, I think, uh, hitting touchbacks at a 17% rate. And Rose historically is about 68%. So they're trying to eliminate Cordero Patterson as a weapon, which is a which is a smart play, right? It, the the Patriots do everything they can to get gain any kind of edge of field position, even if it's two yards of possession, while the Chargers are doing that too. They want to make sure that the Pats start at the 25 and uh, no further along. Correct, Jim? I agree, and that's, uh, I, I agree that it's a smart move. Any any upside you can get, you have to take a chance for. Like you said, Belichick's been doing that for years, and it's the reason why the, this team has been so dominant for all those years is because he takes every edge he can get. Good to see somebody else trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I, for some reason, I, when I was building lineups, I, I really I had a hard time keeping Michael Thomas in it, in them. And I I took him out of the lineup at the last minute yesterday. I had all I had Kamara, I had Thomas, I had a whole bunch of other guys I was trying to use. But the one guy I really need today is Julian Edelman. I just think he's a safe play here, regardless of what this weather is going to be, and it's going to be really cold. Um, I don't. I, there could be flurries, but I, I don't think there's expected to be any kind of significant snow. Maybe something like what we saw yesterday uh, before Colts Chiefs. So I like Edelman in this game. I just always feel like he is there safety valve in some way scott james white could be that guy too uh but julian edelman is the the chain mover for this team yeah but julian edelman's going against desmond king not not that he can't win that matchup but james white's the real x factor 15 targets in last year's super bowl uh they have to get him involved like they were earlier in the season first 10 games he had 66 of his 94 catches the chargers allowed an afc high 974 receiving yards to running backs this season james white is the big chess piece and i believe with, with derwin james i think who he covers is going to be based on game flow if gronk is quiet early and they figure that they can cover with somebody else and james white is going off you might see Derwin James, you know, trying to shadow James White here. James White is a big, big X factor here for the Patriots today. Big key. So, Jim, I'll pose this question just to, to you. Just to add to that real quick. Yes, Wait, go ahead. Can I just add to that real quick? In their last six playoff games, of course, for the Patriots all at home, uh, White's actually had eight touchdowns in those six games, and only one did he not do anything. He only had eight yards and no touchdowns. Every other game, he had at least a touchdown, and in two of them, he had multiple touchdowns. So, James White's prop bet today, a combined scrimmage yards of 63 and a half over or under. I'm going to go over. I, I, I agree with Scott. I think he's going to be a big part of this game plan for them. I think they're going to want to get him involved. Everybody's looking at what he did the second half of the season, but look at what he did in the beginning of the season. Uh, he was just going nuts. And then, of course, Sony Michelle came back and was healthy, and he started taking a lot of that work off. But then it, it seemed to me, anyway, that they were trying to keep James White healthy for the playoffs because he had such an early, heavy workload. And they know what they need from him in the playoffs. So I think we see a lot of What's James funny White is today. that Michelle is at a he, very He's going to double that number. What specific? Double uh, that number. Wow. Sony, yeah, I, I like that call. So Sony Michelle, I mean, I wouldn't say he's going to do that, but I like the boldness of it. 
Sony Michelle has barely been targeted this whole season. We'll come back. We'll talk Eagle Saints after this.